and Google, you know, coming back to Google, they are worried because everybody's talking about how they're, everybody's trying to move on to using Bing because Bing is, you know, connected to, to OpenAI and ChatGPT and now everybody's using ChatGPTs. Today, I sit down with Hassan Anbar, who is the CEO and founder of Bright Leads Media. Bright Leads Media is a SEO-based agency that specializes in helping e-com brands with their search engine optimization, Google ads, as well as some email automation. Today, we're going to be chatting about all things SEO, how AI is going to be disrupting SEO, and so much more. I'm Nikita from aspectagency.com, and let's get into the podcast. Hassan, it's a pleasure to have you on the Scaling E-Commerce podcast. There is a lot of stuff that I've been dying to get into, especially since SEO was my bread and butter way back, like five or six years ago. I fell out of it, and I know you're the go-to guy for SEO. So I, there's a lot of things that I want to talk about. And again, pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here. Definitely, definitely. So your main niche is SEO for e-commerce brands, correct? Yes, yes. Got it, got it. So I got into the SEO game when it was around 2016 and 2017. Right now it's 2023, so it's been six to seven years now. Over those last few years, what have you noticed, I guess, in the SEO space that makes the biggest difference on ranking side? Okay, well, a lot has actually changed. And, you know, you've been in the SEO game, so you know it basically changes a year over year. We've had kind of like a a period where nothing, it was kind of like fine until up to, up to 2020, 2021. And then starting from 2021, what changed a lot is that Google has, has gotten heavy on the updates, um, just to, to improve their search results for, for the, you know, for the common user and combat, you know, basically spammers and people who are using like link farms to kind of like manipulate, you know, search results and SERPs, what they call SERPs. Uh, the main thing, one of the major things that changed or two, I think that there are two when it comes to mind is EAT or uh, the authority uh, for uh, the uh, your life your money uh those are anything related to financial and health related you know websites mm-hmm. they cannot hit them hard the ones that cannot basically just outright put out wrong information because it, it can basically ruin people's lives when it comes to either their finances or health um you know you don't want to put out wrong information so that's that, that's been put up in some summer of 20, 2018. Mm. And it's been one of the largest updates because you've, you've seen a lot of health-related blogs that we were kind of just putting information out there that was not like certifiable by doctors. So one of the things they did is you had to have an actual doctor, certified doctor, and they even, you know, approve the content that you put out before you actually, and that's, those are one of the, the, the ranking factors for anything that's related to health and finance. Um, for the other one was the biggest one would be the topical authority. So Google does not, you know, if you don't, if you only put out a little bit of information about a certain topic and not cover all of all of the related content to any specific niche, it doesn't really give you as much authority. And this is, you know, regardless of like link building and being building links uh, from, you know, related you know websites and or informational websites and then your niche. So you know, link building is still number one, obviously, uh, but the the topical authority one, one of the biggest you know kind of changes over the last three years so if you talk to anybody who does SEO now if you do not talk talk about or cover anything completely related to 
everything in that specific topic. So let's say you, you, you run a blog about auto parts, auto repair, for example. You'd have to basically crank out a lot of content that's, you know, well-written um, and have a well-structured site that's easy for for blogs, for, for, for Google's bots to crawl and for users to navigate. You you have a hard time kind of ranking for, for you know, for anything related to that, um, you know, specific topic, for example. So those are the main three, I guess, things that, you know, that, that have changed over the last week. So basically it just means it's a little bit more work, <laughs> you know, the rank than before. So it seems like a common trend just in general with digital marketing every single year that goes by after, I think, 2010, I think I, I was still in like, you know, school at the time, but I think everything after 2010, every year just gets harder and harder and harder to market. And now after 2020, since everyone has been online or everyone's shifted to online, it just gets even more competitive, uh, not only in the SEO side of things, but also on the ad side, the email side for me, um, CRO, etc. So I think we're slowly getting to a point where things will keep on evolving at a much quicker rate than I think we're able to get, we'll, we'll able to keep up with. But I do remember that big update because I used to work in the finance side of SEO and a lot of our sites got tanked because of that update. So it's funny that you bring, bring that up. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the largest, like, uh, you know, the ones now basically Google that updates every month or so they call yeah. them like the Google core update that's every month or every couple of months, but you know, it doesn't really affect us at all like in the agency. Uh, we, we, when we know what we're doing, we're not doing anything shady, nothing. Uh, you know, basically just follow the guidelines and basically try to... That's what Google says, really, is just you serve the user. That has yeah. to be like your number one priority is to, 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 to bring forth a uh, better user experience. That's basically how they want things to, to go. They want people to spend more time coming back to Google using Google, especially now because... This is 2023 and we're already started looking at dangerous or kind of like uh, things that come in through AI. Yeah, I mean, it's good for, for at least for business owners in a way as a business owner, it, to me, it's just something that's going to help me increase productivity across my team, across my agency, across my business. We'd be able to te- theoretically, we'd be able to take in more clients, for example, and keep the same number of employees, uh, not necessarily have to fire anybody really uh, or replace anybody, but just instead of having one person, for example, work on five clients, they can work on six, six or seven or eight clients, for example, just because they they have that, you know, tool of, you know, AI in their hands. And Google, you know, coming back to Google, they are worried because everybody's talking about how they're, everybody's trying to move on to using Bing because Bing is, you know, connected to, to OpenAI and ChatGPT. And now everybody's using ChatGPT. It's just things that the way too fast, basically just since December of 2022. I'm starting to notice just a lot more of my friends. I, I literally had a conversation with my father uh, a few days ago, and he's like, have you seen this Chad GPT thing? I'm like, I've known about this thing for, you know, since November. He's like, yeah, we just made a song for your sister about it, w- w- using it. I'm like, if my dad is now getting into it, that means, you know, a lot of other, like, I guess, older generations are starting to try it out. And they're like, wow, this is amazing. And it is, it could be spewing trouble for search base or like the search engine, like, like Google and people moving on to more things like Bing because it already has it built in just on your, like from your professional expertise, like how would you see that affect Google's like top line or bottom line? 
when it comes to the AI side? Yeah, I mean, we're looking at everybody's talking about how it took, what, like a month or probably less to get to 100 million users for ChatGPT, for example. Uh, but I wouldn't worry about Google, to be honest, because they've already been using AI for like probably six or seven years for their most basic, you know, uh, queries. Um, so I don't really think that's something that they should worry about. Even the people who are using it, for example, ChatGPT, they're basically just still a niche. You're not talking about 3 billion people using ChatGPT, you're just still a hundred billion. It's not the yeah. same as the everyday people, average shows are not using, you know, ChatGPT for, for, for their day to, day to day. It's just us because we're on Twitter and we're, <laughs> we're always like looking for new, new important things. Yeah, that's why we get to see these things. But I don't think Google itself will actually have to worry about it. Maybe it's it's kind of worrisome for us, like business owners, or if somebody's running a website, for example, specifically an information based website. That's something I would worry about because you're not, you know, if because Google came out with Bard just this last week, now you can have access to it. I was playing with it yesterday. It's actually a little bit faster than ChatGPT mm. and, and the way it kind of like, the, you know, provides you with answers. Uh, so what I would be worried about is if you're a business owner, if you have like a publishing business or an information-based blog, for example, that's something I would worry about. Like, because people were not going to be able to, they're not going to need to show up to your website. And then you're going to have a lot less impressions and clicks on your ads, you know, ad spend. Because everybody's basically just going to be getting that information straight onto, you know, like their screen without moving on to your website. So that's where I see things a little bit getting worried, worrisome for, for, for those business owners. But again, Google itself, I don't think they'll they'll have an issue and like moving forward because, you know, it's a big company, they have a lot of money, they can compete. The only thing that they should worry about is Apple kind of like the only thing that we, we we've heard rumors, for example. And that's something that we we've heard is that Apple is working on the, its own search engine because they already have the you know, like the, 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 you know, the devices all over the world, but probably billions of iPhones. They have the distribution. Yeah. They have the distribution channel already in that. That's really something that Google should be worried about. Other, otherwise AI, chat GPT, Bing, I don't think it's, it's, it has to be, it, it will be a big, a big issue for them. That would make sense to see if we switch from, you know, just chat based integration, which I, I prefer. It's a lot of fun to just like, Hey, tell me this information. Tell me that information, because you get the information spit back to you immediately, and it's like you're talking to a friend, quote unquote, uh, instead of like best SEO agency in you know in Asia, and then you have like you show up, right? And you have to like go through all the different links. So I think it's definitely going to be a lot harder to get those impressions, like you said, because it's going to be based off of this AI actually recommending you, uh, as well as how would you pay like for those kinds of placements um, in the AI platform. So I, I can see it definitely getting harder and harder, like you said, uh, to to just advertise based off organic search. Now, well, I wanted to quickly switch topics here onto the agency side of things, since I know you've been running your agency for, what, almost 20 years now? Well, well you've the agency has been around since 20. I've been in the business almost 20 years, but the that's right. agency has been around since 2017, yeah. Right, yeah. I remember when we talked at Geek Out, you are like, I've been doing this for decades. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Um, but yeah, since you started the agency, I know that you slowly, not slowly, but slowly, but quickly evolved from, you know, doing everything yourself over to now just handling communication. So how has that transition been over the last six years? Well, 
you know, you basically, when you start off the first day, it's basically just it yourself. Um, I didn't start hiring until, you know, I secured a few contracts, secured a few clients. Uh, and then there was, there was the issue of, um, training the team, you know, uh, you can't just bring in anybody. They have to have, they, they have to know what they're doing. And so it was kind of juggling things. You'd gain clients, you know, marketing and sales. And actually fulfilling the product, the you know the actual uh, uh, no light service to actually do the work, um, and doing when when you're only working with two or three clients, for example, it's not that much, but you're doing a lot of admin stuff, like invoices and stuff like that. So it was it was pretty slow, and I did that on purpose. I didn't want to you know go scale it fast to twenty clients, to thirty clients, to fifty clients, and just like start hiring from day one. It took me a couple of years to actually get to a decent number of clients with just about four people um, in the team. But then at that point, we had a foundation, we had a framework, a process to train people, a process to, you know, to onboard clients and actually do the work. And so we had everything in place before we started going out there and hiring more people and training them. And we took our time. Um, we took our time with that. We basically take about six months because again, you can't go out and hire somebody who's already good at SEO. If they're already good at SEO, they're either running their own business, a website, an agency, whatever, or they're a freelancer. It's just kind of like, so you have to bring some somebody who's clueless about SEO and train them and get them excited about it. So going through that, then we moved on slowly to, I, I worked on slowly get, uh, building my personal brand. I didn't really do it for that specific purpose at first, but then it started bringing in a lot of leads, a lot of clients. And I was like, yeah, it's something that uh, that is interesting. It's it's the most effective way for at least for me to bring in clients. So we just I just get you know showing up to events, doing a little bit of YouTube videos here and there, and did the, I've done a few in Arabic and English, and I don't know if I've done any French, but they kind of just kind of spread my knowledge and my expertise here and there, and that kind of helped us get to where we are today. About thirty-two people in the team gotten to that point where I'm really only doing a little bit of work um, when it comes to marketing it. So um, even then I have to kind of space that out. I can't just go out and be like, oh yeah, we're ready to take, you know, take on like 10 more clients because we can't just, for every few clients, you have to have a certain person there, an account manager, a few assistants. Um, so I don't really like do much of it uh, like anymore. Well, we, so we do slowly kind of onboard a few clients every few months, like every month. Talking about like three or four clients now every month, and the retention is pretty insane when it comes to SEO. We're talking about three years, two years. You know, just like people stick around with you for a long time because the ROI is there for them and it makes sense. So they they like to stick around with us. The other thing is we added we started adding more services, kind of like branching out into Google Ad, to email marketing. Um, not a, not email marketing for e-commerce specifically, but just email marketing automation for for a lot of businesses. So that's kind of how we kind of grew. But it again, it was pretty slow, and it was uh, it's not like I was impatient about getting to a certain income level. So I didn't really care. So I was like, I'm happy with this. I'm building a team slowly. There's there's that atmosphere. There's that community with within the team itself, especially if you're doing this all completely remote. So you plan every three months, every six months to meet up with the team. They basically just fix, you know, uh, they love getting together. We build that like camaraderie, or, you know, between the uh, between the team and everything. So 
this printing is pretty cool. It was a pretty cool experiment. It is still a landing kick and it's it's good, it's profitable. Um and it's just gotten to a point where okay, I'm I'm looking at my calendar, it's pretty pretty empty. So I, I'm I am i am trying to kind of like spread out to 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 other things. Um I've been trying to like grow my personal brand even bigger because it's not that big. Uh, but then that was just I would not too, not not too excited about it anymore. Specifically, the content creation and uh, the personal personal building, the personal branding thing. Uh, but yeah, and it's it's been a fun process, and I, I kind of like liked getting to this point, uh, and now looking for more challenges. Absolutely, I'd say I I would agree with you on the retention side because I used to do everything, you know, Facebook ads, email, landing pages, CRO. Everything under the sun, you name it, we did it. And we expanded too quickly. And we made that mistake of uh, bringing in too many clients all at once, which meant we need to hire a lot of people all at once. And that just ate into our margins a lot. Plus, it was super, super stressful. So when we decided to switch only to doing email, we did that. I, I followed the same rules as you did. We started off slowly. We just had a handful of clients uh, that were paying a high like a high amount because we're a boutique agency and now we're slowly starting to expand one person like maybe one to two people at a time and eventually that flywheel will get faster but my main goal is not to expand to 32 employees like you but it's more so like maybe like eight to ten maximum and see how much more clients we can handle at that point but i do like the slow and slow method and the content and personal brand is the best way to go ahead and and grow your agency. I think it's just yeah, it builds too much trust. Yeah, yeah it's, hands down, it's, it's it's the it's the most effective. You know, when you can try anything, you can try anything, and it wouldn't bring as many results as because again, you get to connect with people directly as a person, and they trust you. And then there's especially if you go to an event, for example, and stand up and on stage and talk. So you, you basically assert yourself as that you know credible source of information you have that expertise and there's something to, to say about standing on a stage because you know i'm a, for, for you like you'd have to have like the confidence to do it i'm at this point where like i don't need to care i just stand up and start talking because i've been doing this for so long but the people who kind of sit there and watch you and listen to you it's the shortcut to having authority you know in your field especially if the event is, is kind of like a highly regarded event in whatever space you're operating in and people actually like really listen to you um and you know most of the time i'm not even like that ready for it you know i do work on a, like a few slides here and there but just and people kind of see how easily and how confident you are for example how easy it is for you just to start talking about your, your craft so that kind of like makes it really easy just to trust that person especially when they see for example that you're Put a lot of effort into putting some content example on your on your you know social media, so it makes it easier for these people to kind of trust you. And, you know, it, it it becomes to for them it's just like oh, is there a way for us to work with this guy? Oh, we like him, right? So you know that's 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 how I that's how I like the feedback that I get every time I you know sit up on stage and talk about my like what we do, for example, whether it's SEO or Google Ads or whatever kind of like case studies that you showcase, for example. Uh, or you're talking about specific techniques that you want to teach people. And, you know, that's that's actually very, very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I'm personally excited to do my first event in the summer with the affiliate world. 
So I've done speaking engagements before, but that was in a past life. That was before I got into marketing. So this is going to be completely different. I'm I'm excited for that. Um, yeah, Barcelona. Barcelona is going to be interesting. Yeah, um, it, it, I, I I like it. It was my first event that I attended, like back in 2019, with the with the with the Trello world. Got it. So that just kickstarted everything else for you. So you just you got on that stage, and then after that, you got invited to more and more. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It was just it was like when it comes to speaking, I basically just sent them an email. Because uh, they had a form, like if you wanted to, to talk about something, you send them an email. They got back to me. They said that it won't be possible for. Because I only emailed them about two months before Barcelona. Mm. Like, well, it's it's kind of late, but we can we can we can find a place for you, like in uh, Bangkok, in, in uh yeah in the summer because they do Bangkok in the summer. So yeah, I I was up on stage uh, right before the pandemic, and I was supposed to headline again, and then in Barcelona 2020. You know, but then you know what happened. Yes. Yeah, but it, but I was on their uh, online version, the AdWorld, and AdWorld has gotten bigger and bigger. They kept it going, and it's again gets fifty thousand, seventy thousand attendees because it's cheaper and it's online. Get a lot of eyeballs on on the AdWorld version as well, and it's kind of weird because you don't. When we technically do it live, but not really that live, but it still it still feels good. Uh, uh, you know the the interaction that you get through their platform. That's amazing. I'll definitely have to check that out. Now, when it comes to the team building side of things, you a lot of the team that you have is remote, right? Yeah, the whole the whole team is actually remote. How have you been able to build up that culture with your team, with everyone being remote, especially with a team of thirty two people? Well, we didn't get to thirty two like right away, but it was yeah, we had to build that. We had to build that, you know, um, kind of like little foundation about ten people, and ten people was small, good. I was quite comfortable with it, um, and it felt more like a, a little just a bunch of friends hanging out and making money you know more than it felt like a you know like an actual working place or just colleagues right uh it helped the fact that everybody's young like younger than 30 younger than 25 even the people who kind of feel a little bit awkward once we met a few times they kind of like felt a little bit more comfortable and they kind of just opened up and became like just more like friends uh, what I've tried to do is outside of work or even during work, what we do is we meet, we basically just meet up online at least like three times a week, at least three times a week. We're always talking about work, talking about this, especially when we had like a lot less client. And I was very involved in everything, basically. So I was basically the one who managed communication with, with, with everybody. Um, so what I did it was just try to put, you know, like uh, not put pressure be extremely nice to everybody, saying please and thank you to everyone. And they saw how I was dealing with everybody, especially when there was a mistake. Somebody made a mistake, I don't go up there and start yelling at people. Um, that's, you know, what I'm going to say is like, I try to be as kind as possible to everybody and not put any pressure on them because they've had a lot of, they already have a lot of pressure from clients directly. I don't want to be an alert source of, you know, source of pressure, source of stress. Uh, so I try to try to like the way I do things is I try my best not to add any stress to them. So I want them to be feel, feel as, as comfortable as, as possible. So those are the few things that we that we've done. Try to be as kind as possible. Try to build rapport as a leader, and then make 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 sure that they treat each other nicely. And like as there's a saying that you want to know what your culture about your culture, you have to see how you're team treats each other when you're not in a room. That is something that 
you, you have to think about how do they treat, treat each other? Are they friendly? Are they some, is this guy who acts like the boss when you're not around, you know, telling them what to do. So that's the thing you, you just, yeah, you have to clarify, obviously, like, yeah, no, I totally get where you're coming from. And that's something that we've been able to implement in our team uh, quite well as well, because I, when I was a freelancer working for other agencies, the best way that I learned was not when that pressure was brought on to me by the boss, like you said, it was when they were okay with me failing and they were okay with me learning from my own failures. And that's the best way that I personally learn. I, I fail forwards and I try to instill that kind of culture into our agency as well, because that's going to help them alleviate the pressure from me. Uh, and it's going to help them learn a lot faster because they're like, oh, okay, let me try this. This doesn't work. Okay. Let me try this in a different way. And then it, you know, it ends up working. Exactly. Yeah. That's, it's basically like uh, allowing them to fail because we've had issues. For example, there was this one uh, account manager who basically made a big mistake that ended up, uh, you know, we, we basically lost the client because of that mistake. Mm. And everybody was telling me you should probably fire her because of the mistake that she made, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what? She just started a few months ago. I don't think she, this mistake, you know, is big enough that I would kind of, you know, fire the lady because of, you know, the fact that she, that we lost that client, but it didn't matter. We would definitely were going to have to deal with it. It was, a, it was a bad client to be honest. So. I was okay losing that. So I was like, I'd rather just keep this person on board, you know, trust her and tell her just not to make this mistake. I'm pretty sure that she's going to learn from this mistake and not make that again, which, which kind of worked because she turned out to be one of the best, you know, account managers over the next few years. Um, she, you know, improved a lot in terms of, you know, learning about SEO and doing SEO and, and you know, being one of the best account managers that, like, that we've had. Um, and yeah, it's, it's not really like, a, and the fact like everybody around who saw that, they didn't think that, oh, wait, just, just cause she made the mistake. I'm, I want to be allowed to, to, to make mistakes as well. They know that, you know, they know it's not okay, obviously, but it's something that they, you know, that everybody kind of learned, learned from. So. Yeah. That is always the best case scenario. And I'm glad everything turned out for the best with that specific employee. Uh, now with all that said, I think this is a good time to wrap up the show. Where is the best place for everyone to find you? Um, I'm uh, pretty uh, active on Twitter and LinkedIn, mm-hmm. uh, Instagram as well. I'm basically it's just my name. Just you can just look up my name, and uh, you'll be able to find me on uh, any any and every platform. I'm just not on TikTok. That's the only one I have, you know, and like played with. Yeah, but uh, I do post a lot on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Uh, they did basically I'm just using it like lately I've been using it just to hire people but I'm, I'm planning on going back to uh, you know putting out some decent content some inter- interesting content about the things that we're finding out like when it comes to SEO when it comes to running an agency uh-huh. um, it's it's a it's an interesting world that we live in right now and the fact that you have an agency so you get to see things from like the client's perspective and how to run an agency and how to keep the team happy, how to, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's challenging, obviously, but it's, it's fun to, to follow along the journey, journey like this, like ours. No, absolutely. I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Now, with that said, it was a pleasure to have you on Hassan and uh, I'll see you in the next one. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, for having me.
Thanks again for joining us on the Scaling E-Commerce podcast. If you enjoyed it or learned something new, remember to like, subscribe, and leave a review. It really helps out with the algorithm. If you want email marketing tips delivered straight to your inbox on a weekly basis from yours truly, then check out the link below or in the show notes to subscribe and join my newsletter. If you're a D2C brand with at least 10,000 email subscribers and interested in starting a conversation to work together, then go to aspectagency.com and we'd love to chat with you. And if you want to stay up to date with anything email and SMS, just follow me on Twitter at Nikita Vakrushev or check the show notes for the link. With that said, I'm Nikita and I'll see you in the next one.